Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So we are now uh, really in the heart of our Sermon on the Mount series, um, the real kind of difficult teaching from Jesus. And uh, we're walking through this teaching from Jesus because we want to be a truly Jesus-centered church. Right? We want to be with Jesus. We want to learn about Jesus. We want to do what Jesus did and do what Jesus asked us to do. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, man, we moved to a different neighborhood and the sirens are still here. They're just following my sermons, I think. That's okay. Uh, we're going to And there they all go. Perfect. Uh, And so in this sermon, Jesus has taught on our identities. Jesus says, you are already treasured and you are the light of the world. Uh, And then Jesus asks us to look inward and deal with some of our real problems, right? Not just how we present outwardly. And then last week, Andre talked about Jesus' teaching on prayer, that prayer isn't meant to be a performance. It's not about seeking perfection in our prayer. It's just about showing up with God as honestly as we can. And then we get to the end of Matthew chapter 6, and uh, Jesus starts to talk about worry, about worry and anxiety. And Jesus starts this passage by just saying, uh, do not worry about your life, which just on its own, to be honest, is not, uh, it's not great advice if you are a chronic worrier. Uh, someone just saying, hey, you worry a lot. Have you thought about not worrying? Uh, isn't great advice? Uh, but I do think there is a little bit of a framework that's helpful for us today. But I wonder if you are, could be open enough today, uh, honest enough with yourself to maybe acknowledge if you are a chronic worrier. Maybe that doesn't require any openness. You just know this is who I am. I'm a worrier. Uh, maybe you're an existential worrier that you spend uh, your your uh, laying in bed awake thinking about the next pandemic or climate change or what's going to end all of human civilization. Maybe you're a real personal worrier. That you say, man, I saw my neighbor walk in looking really sad yesterday, and I just, I knew something was wrong. Uh, Maybe you show no discrimination in your worries. It's just all of the above all the time. But a lot of us struggle uh, with chronic worry of some kind, and it might even dominate your life. And uh, I I do think that Jesus has a helpful framework for us at the end of Matthew chapter 6, but before we read it, I just want to be really clear about something. This passage and others like it have been used to downplay and really discourage people from getting help for real anxiety. Right? And, and what, what we're not going to do today is use spiritual bypassing or religious beliefs to stand in the way of you getting the help that you need. So if you are experiencing consistent or debilitating worry, anxiety, please consider finding a medical professional to help you, to talk to you about long-term therapy or medication. Praying more is not an adequate treatment plan for anxiety. Unless the prayer is, God, help me find a good therapist, God, give me the courage to find a therapist, I would not consider prayer an adequate part of your treatment plan. So today, just do not let religious beliefs or any part of your spirituality stand in the way of you getting the help you need. I will help you. I'll help you logistically. The church gather will help you financially. We love to help pay for people's therapy, for their counseling. 
you can consider my teaching today and these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 as a pre-therapy framework. Okay, this isn't in, in place of therapy. If you are a chronic worrier, if anxiety is in any way debilitating for you, this needs to be a pre-therapy framework, okay? Not in place of, not instead of. This is pre-therapy work, okay? So this is what Jesus says in Matthew uh, chapter 6, okay? Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not worry about your life. Right? Easier said than done. And I think it's just important in this conversation to start by noting that worry on its own, the feeling of being worried, of having anxiety, that that isn't inherently bad. And worry isn't bad. In fact, uh, you should be worried about some things, but worry is sometimes helpful. We need to have like a baseline amount of anxiety. If a car starts breaking in front of you, you need to feel worried about it and then do something about it. Right? You, you, we need a little bit of worry and anxiety. The problem is that we need to live throughout our day at different times, getting it like a two out of 10 on the scale, but oftentimes we rise to an 8.5 and we can't come down off of it. Right? Worry on its own isn't inherently bad. We, we should have zero shame when we feel worried or anxious or a worried thought comes into our mind. There should be zero shame. Worry is not inherently bad, but it's also not inherently good. Some of us grew up in family systems or uh, in, in cultures or at work environments that worry is like a badge of honor, that, that we're supposed to be worried about some things. That, that in fact, if we're not worried, that probably means we don't care enough about something. Right? When, when I was in college, my grandma used to call me a lot and she would start the conversation by saying, uh, Josh, I've just been so worried about you. And what she was trying to say was, Josh, I really care about you. But it came out as, Josh, I've been really worried about you. Because in our little family system, worry was a substitute for care. But worry isn't inherently good. It's not a badge of honor. You don't, no, nothing requires you to be worried in that way, right? It's not inherently good. It's not inherently bad. Worry just is. Like, like so many other feelings, emotions, worry just is. And so if it just is, then why does Jesus tell us, not to worry. It's easy to think that we're not supposed to worry because God is going to be disappointed in us for not trusting God enough. And that's even a little bit how Jesus' teaching comes off. Like, wow, if I feel worried, that must mean that I don't trust God with my life. 
God, God's going to be disappointed or mad at me if I feel worried. But I, I, we even see in the middle of this passage where Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. And we, we automatically kind of read these passages because of our own religious anxiety and background. We read them often as chat, chastisement, that Jesus is kind of getting on to the crowd, or that someone's in trouble for worrying. There is no shame in Jesus' teaching. There is never any shame. That Jesus is a loving, gentle, caring teacher. The central message of this passage at the end of Matthew chapter 6 is God cares for you. Not if you worry, God's going to be disappointed. The message is God cares for you. Just like God cares for the grass and the flower and the birds of the sky, God cares for you. There is no shame, no disappointment. The message isn't, don't worry, otherwise God will be mad. It's just simply, God cares for you. That's it. And I think what Jesus wants us to see is that there is a natural consequence for worry, for chronic worry. And worry pulls us out of our present moment. And the word in Greek here for worry, um, like so much of the Greek, the biblical Greek, it paints kind of a word picture. This is what a lot of ancient languages do that we don't get often in English. There's kind of a word picture associated here with this word for worry in Greek. Uh, the word is marimnau, which is a weird-sounding English word. But it, it's translated over and over again in the New Testament as worry or anxiety. But the picture that this word paints is a single object being pulled in two separate directions. A single object being pulled in two, two separate directions. So when Jesus says, do not worry, he says, don't, don't be pulled in two different directions. Don't, don't allow your life to live in this distracted, disintegrated way. Don't be pulled in two opposite directions. This is why we shouldn't worry, right? It splits our attention, it splits our care, it splits our time, it splits our love. It pulls us in two opposite competing directions. It's what Jesus is saying in verse 34 at the very end. He says, don't be pulled into being worried about tomorrow. So tomorrow has plenty of worries on its own. Don't allow yourself to be pulled into opposite and competing directions, right? We shouldn't worry because when we worry, we are robbed of the beauty, the wonder, the awe, the delight of this present moment. It's not about God being mad at you or disappointed. And I don't even think uh, worry is bad because it means we're not trusting God enough or anything like that. Worry pulls you out of the beauty of this moment, the exact moment you're in. When you spend time worrying, you are allowing yourself to be pulled in opposite directions. And Jesus is saying, don't be pulled in two opposite directions. Be here now. That's why we shouldn't worry. But again, just saying, well, we shouldn't worry because it's a distraction. It pulls us in two different directions. That sounds good. We, I think most of us uh, agree with that. That's a nice idea. But it may not do a lot for us because when these ruminating thoughts of worry and anxiety get in our mind, just thinking, man, I really shouldn't be focused on tomorrow, that probably isn't going to do a ton. So if it's still happening, of course it is, what do we do about it? Well, because worry is neither inherently good or inherently bad, when that incessant chronic worry creeps up in your mind, what we need to do is accept it, not avoid it. 
But like all things that we deem to be negative feelings, we often try to push against them, to push them down, to avoid them altogether. But when we do that, when we push negative feelings or just anything we don't want to think or feel, when we push it down, when we avoid it, when we push away from it, those feelings get stronger. And so instead of avoiding, we need to accept the worry. Right? We don't have to push it away. Right? We just need to acknowledge it. Notice it. Think to yourself, wow, I am feeling worried. It might be helpful to speak aloud to your partner, to a friend, to a therapist, to a pastor, to God. Say, I am really worried today. Right? We accept it. We don't avoid it. And then because uh, we know, like Jesus teaches, that there is always a thing behind the thing, after we accept then we examine, right? We examine where in our life the worry continues to manifest itself and then why it's happening in that place, right? So you acknowledge, you accept, and then you ask where and why, right? Your worry might be manifesting consistently about money. It might be about work. It might be about family, right? We're asking, am I messing up my kids? Just Is my existence just messing up my kids? It might be about our country, about our world, about politics. It might be an existential threat to society. You might have religious anxiety. That's fair. You can just ask yourself, where is my worry consistently manifesting? Right? We accept it. We acknowledge it. We don't avoid it. And then we ask, where? But my worry, my anxiety, it mostly manifests relationally, person to person, interpersonally. Right? So I'm not... Uh, as a person, I'm not super worried about money. I never have been. I should be more than I am. Uh, I'm not super worried about existential threats. Not super worried about politics. Again, I probably should be, but I'm not. But I do have a decent amount of anxiety interpersonally. So um, my worry, my anxiety is that I'm letting people down or that people are mad at me. And that's where my anxiety and my worry creeps in. That's where it consistently manifests. So when I ask myself, where is my worry? That's the answer. It, my worry is interpersonally. That I, I'm just, I'm worried that I'm letting people down. I'm worried uh, that I messed up and now someone's mad. That's my worry. That's my anxiety. So we, we ask, we accept, we ask where, then we ask why. Why interpersonally, why am I worried that people are mad at me? Why am I worried that people uh, are being let down or that they feel let down by me? So for me, again, this is just my experience. I have, a, I have kind of a narrative loop that runs in my mind, like many of us have. I have a, a story I tell myself. And that narrative loop tells me that to receive love, to receive care, that I need to be perfect. And so when I'm not perfect, like I don't call back soon enough or I don't respond to an email, then my assumption is that I shouldn't receive love in return, that I've let someone down and now they're disappointed in me. And because I'm not perfect, this happens pretty consistently. And so the story I tell myself is I have to be perfect to receive love. I'm not perfect. And so I just assume you're upset. You would be, of course, you're disappointed. So 
that need to be perfect paired with some codependent tendencies means that I have that relational worry and anxiety. But because I've asked myself where, I've asked myself why, I've done the examination, so accept and then examine. Because I've identified that narrative loop, I can try, I can at least try, maybe not succeed, to tell myself a different story when that worry creeps in. It doesn't mean it always works to lessen the worry, but I can at least try to put a different story into my brain, right? It's slow work that when that worry creeps up in me and I think, wow, I'm, they must be really disappointed in me. They must be mad at me. Then I can tell myself a different story and say, I don't think that people love me for what I produce. That's proven to not be true. That I can just tell myself a story, a new story. I can create a new narrative loop. It is slow. It is not always successful. But over time, with work, it works. So you accept your worry, not avoid, and then you examine. You ask where and why. So if you are a worrier, do you have a place that your worry consistently manifests? Right? Maybe it's all over the map for you. I get it. But I wonder if there is a place where your worry consistently manifests itself, right? Maybe, maybe it's uh, money or family or kids or some bigger picture thing. I wonder where your worry manifests. And then do you think there is a narrative that you have on repeat that might be contributing to that worry? I wonder if you think you're in charge of protecting other people. Sometimes that's a lot of our worry that we feel responsible for all these things that have nothing to do with us. And it ends up causing a ton of worry and anxiety. And maybe it's a story of scarcity you have on repeat in your brain. You just tell yourself all the time, I'll never have enough. I don't have enough now. I've never had enough. I'll never have enough. I wonder what's the story on repeat in your brain that causes you more worry and anxiety. And, and are you willing to acknowledge that your worry is pulling you in two different directions, right? that, that it's a distraction, that it is disintegrating your life. And I know just acknowledging that, saying, yeah, my worry is a distraction, it may not move you that far down the road, but maybe you could at least just acknowledge some uh, something there. Do you say, yeah, it is. I do spend a lot of time somewhere else. Yeah. We, we want to practice this way of being in the world that Jesus leads us towards because worry pulls us in two different directions. It pulls us out of the present moment. It takes us away. And so we accept, we examine, as we try to move forward in a different kind of story. So I, I've tried to be clear that this message from Jesus has zero shame attached. And so I, I, I don't want you to leave today with your shoulders slumped saying, yeah, I really should worry less. I worry too much. There, there is no reason today to feel bad about yourself. What I want for you today is for you to finish watching this and for you to be ready to fully experience this present moment. Not because God is going to be mad at you for worrying. Not because you think you failed some religious test if you worry too much or too often. Invest your thoughts 
and your energy and your attention in every single present moment. I've said it to you over and over again, one of my favorite quotes from Pete Holmes, if you aren't happy on the plane, you won't be happy in Hawaii. Don't pull yourself in two different directions. With no shame, with no religious anxiety attached, with no avoidance, fall so in love with your present life. Be so full of wonder and curiosity and gratitude for each individual moment that the futility of worry becomes crystal clear. And so gather, this is my prayer for all of us today. Trust today that Jesus' teaching is always about what is best for our flourishing and never about earning the love or inclusion of God. You don't have to avoid worry. Accept it, examine it, and be free. Amen. Gather, go in peace. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.